Welcome everyone to this week's Really Big Fan Podcast. That's right, we're back after a week off that we didn't intend on taking, but uh, we did. I got in a car accident, sorry. It was a minor car accident. <laughs> it was, it a, was minor, a very minor small car accident. car accident. In fact, you sent me pictures and I was like, did you hit their car? <laughs> like, you just go to the car wash and rub off what happened. Yep, but I took myself to the hospital anyway, so yes. I I did, was not home to be on. You wanted to make sure there was no nerve damage. Yeah. I was getting tingles in my face. It was weird. Yep. I, I was uncomfortable, so. It was your brain working harder than it ever has worked before. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> my brain apparently doesn't brain ever. No. Well, you don't have to work very hard when you're around me, brain-wise. <laughs> well, bra- I, I was telling Kate the other day. I set the bar real low. My brain isn't braining anymore. And she's yep. like, it's braining. It's just not braining the way you want it to. Now, come on, turn this backdrop. Yeah, so uh, we're back this week, and uh, instead of having a guest, we're going to kind of run down everything that we've been up to. Uh, before we do that, though, let's let's keep the show in in format and get get them headlines out. Talk about them headlines. Headlines. You believe one eight two's out? Yeah. You want to tell us what you think? I love it. Yeah, it's pretty great. Awesome. Um, I had it on repeat for the last couple days, and I was jamming out. I, I feel like with this album, and I don't feel like this is like this is not a unique take or a hot take, but a it sounds like all of the Blink One Eighty Two albums that have ever happened. Okay. One album. Ooh, that's fun. So there's a lot of stuff like it, it still sounds new, don't get me wrong, but there are but elements there. in a lot of the songs that are pulling from things that you're used to hearing, even specific drum sounds that Travis uses. I was going to say, like, you hear one song, he's like, oh, it's like this era blank. And then the next song is like, oh, it's like this era blank. Yeah. And it starts with the anthem part three. So they have uh, it now, it's now it's a trio of songs or whatever, but um, they talk about feeling like hey um we're not going to get complacent this time and the yeah. album is called one more time and they explained with uh to zane low on um his thing they did like a whole like it's like an hour and a half video uh-huh. they talked about like the album and all their feelings and things that were going on and they even like touch base on like Mark did not want to work with Tom ever again at one point right was, like no I'm never going on stage with that guy again and like talked about what his feelings were at that time so instead of like you know trying to shy away from those things they were like openly talking about all of it which was really cool that is cool um they only like briefly touched base on tom going after aliens but he's yeah at one point i was working with the government and that was weird (laughs) you're just like i love this so much but like it was it was very cute to watch all of them, you know, have these conversations and they were in um Travis's like workspace. Mm-hmm. So it was like all the stuff that's hanging on the walls. They have the sound room and stuff, so they were in there. Um, but with that song, the anthem kind of tied into that conversation of like, we're not gonna be complacent. It's not that we're saying this is the last album. What right. it's saying is that this is the last time we're getting back together. Like yeah. we're not breaking this up anymore in between everything that happened with mark about him getting cancer it was literally to the point like he couldn't even like touch his wife like he actually like said it was kind of a little gross but it was like she literally couldn't even use the same bathroom i was using because 
all the stuff that they pump into you when you're going through cancer treatment. Like if if anything splashed onto her, it could cause an infection. Ooh. And so like he was going through a lot of shit. And so there is one song and I like I'm blanking on the name of the song, but like there is, I think it's um, ah, I forget. Um, but he talks about having poisonous skin in the song and like not being able to even give her a kiss goodbye and like all of these things. And so it was like, that's really hard to listen to because then you hear like all the things that were going on with him. Yeah. But you're hearing all of it from them, which is very transparent. And so it wasn't like they like, you know, just did another album where they're like, oh, yeah, masturbation, jerking off, all like funny shit. I mean, there's one song that's kind of like that, but like everything else is how weird would it have been if there was a if there was not at least one yeah good old toilet humor blake 182 song on the new album the song dance with me was the video that they put out where they're dressed like i don't i don't think it's the ramones it's like one of those punk bands that i've been blanking on it but um he starts the song with you know when i teach masturbation i just tell people have fun with it and then it goes into the song and you're just like or um, one song called Turpentine ends with like everything sort of rhyming and then it boils down and he goes, Turpentine. Ah, fuck. And it ends. <laughs> so like there's still sort of like that, that yeah. like, humor is in there. But a lot of the songs were more emotional than I expected. That's what you had said something about that. And I'd seen other people on social media mm-hmm. saying that like this album uh, hits emotionally a little bit harder than they expected. Yeah. And there was, I sent a text because, um, Sam Nork and Jacob Giampa, who we were Giampa, I keep still say it wrong. Um, we were having a conversation about it, and I said, "Okay, so I've listened to this album for a few days. Um, I really feel like they've healed their relationships, and they're openly healing them. Every song feels like a different period. It uses elements of some of their older catalog in the new songs, but it feels really cathartic for them to put this out." And I said, "I feel like fans like us would have loved no matter what we heard." But at the same time, this gives us and helps us understand their feelings and they're not just acting for our sake or to make money. It, it would probably look like more of a cash grab to people that aren't close friends to have like, oh, they went on this tour and now they're going to put out an album. It's probably because they need money or some dumb shit like yeah. Travis Barker ain't hurting for money. No. Come on. Like none of these guys are. I think I think he can work with just about anybody at this point. Literally, he has. Yeah. He's worked with rappers. He's worked with rock people. He's worked with everybody. So like those guys are not doing that for this reason. They basically came down to the conclusion of like once Mark told Tom what was going on with him, that's all they wanted to do was make music. Yeah. They just like wanted to all be together. And he goes, it got to a point where Tom was annoying the shit out of me for being so positive. Like, you're going to get through this. We're fucking doing it. Right. And like, Mark's just like, I wanted to have bad days and he wouldn't let me. Right. So it was really great overall. Cool. And um, while I'm on the, that album spiel, I'll do a quick one of this as well. Um, Taking Back Sunday has been putting out um new singles and so right now it's kind of like ep size i don't know if this is the full thing or if there's more songs coming but the ep that i was listening to i had that on repeat all day too and yeah this is the closest thing to any taking back sunday like the older albums the feeling that i got from it like i've never been excited about some of the newer albums they put out right and i saw one headline that was um I don't know if it was alt press or something. It was like, this might be the best Taking Back Sunday project that's been put out before. And I was like, okay, I'm willing to listen to it. And then I was just like, 
Oh my God, I love it. I love it. I was getting, see, I'm getting the- That's cool. I'm getting the tingles. Yeah. It was so great. And so the the song that they put out today, I'm just bad with song titles. I just need to accept- You really are, because I'll spout out song titles from bands, and you're like, I don't know what song that is. Yeah, I don't. Uh, So the song that I went to today was Keep Going. I'd heard so old, it's like S apostrophe old- when they did their tour yeah they, they debuted it on the tour but the song keep going i ended up posting a video of it today because i was just so stoked about it so like seeing those bands put out new music and these were bands that i i really love and loved growing up like it, it just like ah, i'm so happy <laughs> I'm happy for you because, uh, unfortunately, like when the bands that I loved put out new music these days, I'm like, well, that's all right, and that song's all right, but it's not a great. Thing. I mean, like I get, I get that to a degree, and that is usually what happens with me. Yeah, you know, it's kind of no. It's really nice when it when it goes the way it's going for you right now. Well, it's like, oh, cool, they made another super banger album that yeah. I can really appreciate. Uh, I mean, it's like when you heard Solera, you like after a few listens, you actually liked it from the Smashing Pumpkins. You know what? At fir- well, I was gonna say at at first when when Solera came out, I was like, eh, this is this yeah. is okay. But when I saw it play it live, I was like, oh, this is this yeah, is great. Yeah. And I still contest every other song on that eight song album is one of my favorite Smashing Pumpkin songs. But I I was thinking about it and like when uh, Billy did the album with um the guy from Motley Crue. The, the drawer from Motley Crue. Oh, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee, yeah. Uh, Monuments to an Elegy. Mm-hmm. That was one of those moments where I was like, pumpkins are back. Yeah. Zeitgeist kind of felt a little bit like that too. Like, oh man, right. pumpkins are back and they're making great music again. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I feel about this. It's, yeah. It's very much that's cool. the same feeling. And honestly, like when we, um, when I saw the pumpkins this time and when I photographed them, like I had that reaction of like, pumpkins are back because that's that awesome. set list was like, even though it had like stuff from the old days and stuff from the new stuff, it had a good mix. It was a very good mix to the point of like seeing that, seeing Billy as happy as he was, and yeah. that it was just like, oh yes, this is a good time for music. Yes. So speaking of the Pumpkins, uh, Jeff Schroeder, the the uh, yeah. guitarist from the Pumpkins, uh, they announced a. Uh, about 24 hours ago that he was leaving the band. It sounds amicable. Yeah. It sounds like he's got something else that he wants to work on and they're... Looked like he said he was like working on a doctorate or something before. Yeah, maybe. He was doing something education-based that he said, I want to go in a slightly different direction. Or it whatever. is cool that when Jimmy uh, James Eha came back that like Jeff Schroeder just didn't get kicked to the curb. I know, right? It's like, no, we'll just have three guitars. Just have more guitars. I mean, it's not like it's Billy fun. hasn't layered like eight guitars in the song. Anyway. Exactly. Well, it's a little bit like when Pat Smear left and then returned to the Foo Fighters, and they're like, well, we can't get rid of who replaced Pat Smear, so yeah, we'll just have three guitars now. We're going to keep them, you nice. know? It's fun. And then it gives time for Dave to take a break. Sure. <laughs> gets on singing. Right. Because Dave's running from side to side. All he is. Time. Yeah, he's having a good time. I will say, uh, if you, if you, Billy, if you need somebody to replace Jeff. There you go. I would be more than happy to learn all of his parts. There you I go. i tour with you. Well, and one more, I guess, now I say one more music thing. Uh, Green Day will be releasing the Saviors album out on January 19th. They yep. debuted a new song, yep. which I haven't listened to yet, but it's, the American dream is killing me. Well, we could have waited until next week when we'd actually heard the song. I know, but like, I'm just, I, while there's all these music things happening, <laughs> I'm going to say this, because it ties into the pumpkins, because they're touring with the pumpkins. Green Day, the pumpkins, and Rancid. 
one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> I am excited. And if I don't get that show, I'm going to cry a lot <laughs> because if that is have, a banger lineup. If you'd have pulled the pumpkins out and slotted the offspring into there, it would have been like the perfect mid-90s punk. Yeah, that would have made sense for sure. You know, triple threat. Well, it was like everybody insulted me when I kept going to see the offspring with 311. Like I've seen that lineup like three times. Yeah. And they're like, those guys must really get along. Like, did you? Somebody said, did you get stuck in the 90s? Were you even alive when these songs? Yes, I was. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and one last loop. Oh my god! And then you. Can I pulled up ten things. I understand that, but I never have news. So let me do this. Um, this is very quick. Tony Hawk performed Superman with Goldfinger at when we were young. Has he done that far? Not at when we were young. He's done it in like little clubs, right? So. It, this was at a festival stage. Okay. So that's awesome. Right? All right, yeah, no, that's cool. I would. All I need is a skateboard and a warehouse. And maybe he's excited. His I'd son be... just married Kurt Cobain's daughter. Right, which is also wild. Yes. Um, Nepo baby, Nepo baby. I would be, I would be thrilled to see. I, I think Tony Hawk should just go on tour with Goldfinger yes. and just do that song and then let them do the rest of their set. Yes, I feel like that would be totally fine. Like, I feel like if I think had that injury earlier, that would have happened. I think... <laughs> I think Goldfinger, uh, their their ticket prices would go up, and they, a lot of people would go to see them, knowing they were going to see Tony Hawk play with them. Yes, and Tony Hawk's not like a great singer either. Of course not. It's really funny. Yeah, it's just cool. It's cool. All right, go. All right, so New York Comic Con was a couple of weeks ago while we were uh, between shows, and uh, Jason Aaron, who just came off a five year stint on the Avengers book, uh, who also wrote Thor back in the early while the Matt Fraction Hawkeye book was going on, he actually created Gore the God Butcher mm. from the the third Thor I'm movie. Sure the book one's better. The book one is more interesting, <laughs> definitely more interesting. Um, but I don't hate to Christian Bale. He's he's moving over to DC. He's going to be taking over uh, Superman next year. Uh, which is which is interesting, <laughs> like I, Superman. I guess the guy who is currently writing the Transformers book that just came out a couple of weeks ago uh, has been writing action comics for the last year or so, and uh, so he's leaving the book. And Jason Aaron is coming out. I don't think Jason Aaron has ever worked for DC, hmm. and it's always neat when somebody, whether it's a writer, or artist, goes from one company to the other. Yeah, and then you know what book are they going to give them? What what is going to because. Um, Brian Michael Bendis famously did Daredevil, yeah. uh, did Avengers for like a decade, did some X-Men, did, like he was the guy at Marvel. He wrote a ton of stuff that made its way into the movies for Marvel, uh, moved over to DC about like five years ago and they immediately just handed him Superman. Yeah. And I remember reading it and being like, I guess I'm just not a Superman guy cause I don't like this. And then they handed him Justice League. And I was like, I guess I just don't like Brian Michael Bendis very much anymore. <laughs> I'm just kind of over it cause... I don't like his DC work all that much. Just, you know, their their style will change with a book or something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing like uh, somebody had asked in one of the comic groups that I'm in uh, was something that you read while it came out that was super cool that like in retrospect you're not real big fan of. And I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, that, when that Tom King Batman run was going on, mm-hmm. uh, I was picking it up every other week because it was twice a twice a month. And I was really into it for most of it. And then it was over and a year went by and I started looking through the books. And I'm like, yeah, I just like the Joker versus Riddler Civil War. Yeah. And and like the date night story. That's about that's, everything that's, that's out of it. How I feel about the Batman stuff, too, is like if it's Joker related or probably Riddler related, like it has to be like something unhinged like that for me to be interested in it. I, if it's just Batman doing detective Batman shit, I don't care. 
I was just talking to Mike on the uh, episode that will be coming out um, probably next weekend of our Patreon exclusive mm-hmm. uh, show. We were talking about the sequel to the last Batman movie. Yeah. The Robert Pattinson Batman movie. And they're saying, Mike was saying that they're talking about doing Two-Face. And I was like, I wish Batman has such a robust rogues gallery. Mm -hmm. I wish that they'd stop going to like the top five. I mean, I get that. But at the same time, are people going to show up unless it's a villain they really care about when it comes to Batman? Right. With other things, like if you're doing Avengers and something or like, you know, even you just brought up Thor with gore, like... I can see why, like, people were interested in it or whatever, but at the same time, like, if I'm going to go to a Batman movie, I want a villain that I know, and I want to see what you can do with that villain. See, but that's my argument, is that the, the two franchises you just mentioned mm-hmm. have terrible rogues galleries. Yeah. Like, their, their, their gallery of villains are fucking awful. Well, I mean, a lot of Avengers ones are. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, Captain America villains ain't great. No. Um, Iron Man villains ain't great. Thor villains, not very memorable. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Mandarin. (laughs) But it's totally different. Panicked and then I handled it. Right. But I don't care for Killian. I I think that's such a lame villain. But like the way that they did it with Ben Kingsley, like I'm like, okay, I love that movie. But But when you've got a rogues gallery that goes from such extremes to the Joker and Two-Face to, like, Condiment King and Kite Man. Like, there's... That would be stupid. It would be stupid. That example is stupid, but that's one of the things me and Mike were talking about, is that, like, Clayface. Yeah. Clayface is fucking terrifying, if you do him correctly. I mean, I only know the Clayface from the Harley Quinn, so that's not scary. Right. No, like, if you look at some of the old Batman, the animated series Clayface episodes, like, they're horrifying. Okay, so riddle me this. (laughs) Riddler. Um... (laughs) If, for example, you had something like that that transferred over, but it's like um, you have your Spider-Man people, do you really think that that No Way Home would have been as cool if you would have not done any of the previous villains? You had to because of the way the movie was constructed. I understand that. But, like, say, for example, you just threw a random villain at these Spider-Men, it wouldn't be as cool. Okay. Uh, you, You actually just made my point for me. Because they used Mysterio in the second of the three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, who had not been in a single Spider-Man movie yet. Yeah, and he still wasn't that good. He was awesome. We have a difference of opinion. He was great. Out of all of those Spider-Man movies, that is my least favorite. They used Vulture in the first one, which they had also, not used in any of the other ones. Nope, thought they did great, I, great jobs in both like of those. the Tom Holland Spider-Man, but I could give or take those villains. Easy. Yeah. I Actually, if I wanted to even be... A little bit more fair, I'll pick Mysterio over Vulture. Right. But, like, they're not the best. Right. I don't even think Bane is that cool to me. I don't think so either, honestly. I don't understand why they did Bane twice, other than the fact that the first time they did him, they did him completely wrong. So at least... Bane twice. He was in Batman and Robin. He was Poison Ivy's, like, uh, muscle. Yeah, I don't remember that movie. (laughs) That's been good for you. (laughs) Is that Bat Nipple movie? That is Bat Nipple movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's Alicia Silverstone. It's all I remember is Bat Nipples. Yeah. I don't remember anything else. That's fine. It's really... (laughs) It's like it's it's fun, but it's not good. Yeah. So there's I mean, there's a lot of things that they could do. And I understand that. But if you're trying to now build out a franchise out of Rob Pattinson, I think you probably need to do two. But like, 
nine Batman movies. No, but I'd, under Rob, under Rob Pattinson, I feel like you need to do that. And on top of the way that that guy directs, yeah, you need dark ass villain. That's what Clayface. Clayface. I don't understand that. Holy shit, Clayface! I only know Clayface from Harley Quinn, so I can't. I can't agree with you. I have no <laughs> frame of reference to Clayface other than he's a thespian. I'm putting that on the board with all the movies you haven't seen. Then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pull up a bunch of uh, friggin' Batman the Animated Series Clayface episodes and make you watch them. All right. So you understand how he's a good character. Uh, and while we're on comics, the writer of the new Green Lantern series is coming out. That is supposed to be the Golden Age Green Lantern who came out of the closet uh, in 2020. I believe in the comics, uh, has decided to donate the royalties to uh, to the six issues that he's doing on this Green Lantern book to um, to um, different different gay um, charities. Awesome! Because people tend to uh, lash out against because this is like a this is like a golden age like fifties character. I was gonna say, what is golden age? Is that just you're saying from the fifties? Yeah, it, like before. There was at Marvel when DC was putting out superhero comics, but they were the only game in town, really, as far as that. So they have a bunch of versions of characters like Green Lantern. Um, that was when Captain America was in comics, but not Marvel Comics. It was a different company. Marvel inevitably like absorbed Captain America and, and made him part of their universe. When you said Golden Age, I, my brain went Golden Bachelor. So then I was just thinking, is he an old Green Lantern? Nah. I mean, like is he old? Is he's got he like, kids. He's got grown, grown ass kids. But is he like in sixties? Like what's golden age? Uh, pretty much, sure. So, but yeah, the writer uh, Tim Sheridan, who's worked on Dragon Age Absolution and Teen Titans Academy, said that uh, Alan Scott is his name. Alan Scott, the Green Lantern. Gotcha. Is uh, all his all his stuff is going to a charity. So that's that's cool. Sweet. I like to see that. Um, while you're excited about the. Um, all the music that's coming out. We've had three huge game uh, yep. come out in the last uh, seven days alone. So last weekend was the first weekend of Spider-Man 2. Yep. Which everyone's been playing on the PlayStation 5. Everywhere. Everyone's having a great time with that. But uh, one of the things the devs screwed up on is yeah. they they put the Cuban flag in Miles' apartment instead of the Puerto Rican flag. Way to go, guys. Which is easily patched out. I mean, yes, but it's just very like... Dude, did you just Google Hispanic flags and then take? <laughs> Who didn't catch that? Right. You released the game like that. But as of uh, let's see, as of Monday, which is uh, three days after the game has had been released, uh, it is now the fastest selling PlayStation Studios game in the company's history. Not shocked. So it looks pretty. Fastest selling first party game. It looks pretty. Uh, it, it sounds like there's a lot of really fun stuff. And also, the biggest complaint I've seen so far is that there's stuff where you have to play Mary Jane. There's like. Yeah. Sneaking parts where you have to play Mary Jane, which was in the first one and was definitely not anyone's favorite part of the game. Yeah. And when you've well, got a game with. So the men are just going, ooh, she's ugly. So. Right. But when you've got a game with like two Spider Men, like, I don't need to play Mary Jane. I've got two different Spider Men to play with. No. On, but man. if it was a Gwen, everybody would be happy. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I can't remember. There's. there's I think it's a spoiler, but there's another spider person in this one. Mm -hmm. And they said they specifically didn't want to go the route where, like, because they, they didn't want to shoehorn Spider-Gwen into this game. Yeah. And, and you know, like, because she's in enough stuff. Yeah. Basically, their reasoning. Mm -hmm. Like, let's put this Spider-Person in instead. Gotcha. Yeah, it looks great, but it's only in the PlayStation 5 until, like, the exclusivity deal runs out in a year or so. Yeah. Once it hits PC, I'll be all about it. <laughs> 
Uh, Mario Wonder has come out uh, for the the Switch, and um, which one is that one? That's the one where he can turn into an elephant. The Mario. I guess I missed that. Whatever happened to the one that had like the Bowser thing in it that I was kind of hype about? Did that already come Bowser out? Bowser thing. There was one where like they had a trailer that had Bowser in it, and it was really cool. Was it the Super Mario RPG remake? That it's like I mentioned. I don't know. On that yeah, information, I, I cannot. Yeah, I cannot. I have no idea. Narrow it down. Uh, but Super Mario Wonder, he can get a, a Santa hat where he can be uh, Elephant Mario. Cool. Uh, has come out, and a guy on TikTok uh, uh, called Hidden Gaming Deals uh, found out that even though the the Pro controller that uh, that you got me mm. for a great price um, doesn't have a speaker in it like the PlayStation Four controllers yeah. do. Uh, they found a way to vibrate uh, the use the vibration controller mm-hmm. to actually make the music block noise oh, cool. through the controller when that's you run nice. across them. Yeah, which is that's pretty cool. That's uh, that's some pretty cool programming. Hell yeah! And the other big game that uh, has released, as far as I'm concerned, is the remake of the Metal Gear Solid series, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection One. Um, I guess if you get it on the Switch, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, three of feel like a Switch game that feels like a PlayStation game. The three biggest games on it do not come on the cartridge, so you have to like download them. That's oh. So- and and yeah, it doesn't uh, it doesn't play great. So it's probably going to be it's right now. It's on Xbox One and the PlayStation Five. But they did say that they will be releasing it for the PlayStation Four and the uh, the last generation Xbox because the band was so high. That was a very weird. Like even with um, Tony Hawk, people were like, "Oh, it's not going to play the same. It's not going to play as good as it does on PlayStation." I have no issue with it. That's the weird thing with the the with Nintendo at large over the last like fifteen years is that their hardware is always one generation behind mm. whatever the other two companies are doing. Yeah, Microsoft and and Sony. Um, so it's always like it's wild when you get a game like the Zeldas, which is absolutely beautiful mm. on that hardware and also a launch game, which will never not be weird to me. Yeah, that like the very first game you can get for it is a game that you could play on its own for a year all by yourself and it's one of the prettiest games still that's probably why they did it that way honestly because then it gave people time to like get used to it and it gave them time to create more games for it yeah sure Um, if they give you this massive game then you won't be clamoring for 80 more games right right away i think they had they had the mario game mario mario odyssey i think they had that like yeah a month later yeah but like that zelda game is too good it's just too good (laughs) but yeah the metal gear salad master collection is out and people are lukewarm on it because they really didn't improve anything it's yeah reissues of stuff and they're like man konami come on if <laughs> you take if you're gonna release them on the next gen systems this long after they right out, yeah. you could have updated something mm-hmm. but konami is not konami's not interested in updating anything that's the problem is that they have castlevania they have metal gear um what are the other Konami? there was three that i was gonna come up with oh silent hill yeah they have those three things and they're very content with just like releasing the exact same versions we've already played on new hardware every couple of years and then making a new game that everyone inevitably will be like this sucks so (laughs) we'll see what those new silent hills are like um the fallout series uh was announced uh for amazon it's going to release next april i'm gonna let you talk about this because i can smell the soup and i'm worried it's burning okay yeah, uh, I know Nate is a huge fan of the Fallout games, and uh, the series is going to be hitting Amazon Prime next April, uh, April 12th, 2024, to be exact. 
And uh, what else did I have here on it? I don't know. But anyways, if you're a Fallout fan, I'm sure you're very excited about it. I'll definitely check it out. I've been checking out um, Gen V over on Amazon without Amy because she's, uh, she's I, th- I think the way she put it is uh, she's she, the, the boys is enough. Like Gen V sounds even too much for her. But I got to say, I'm really liking it. It's got a different feel. It's much less slapsticky and much more um, like teen angst. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to put it like Dawson's Creek or um, maybe the the Riverdale show. But uh, Gen V has been has been really good. Riverdale, did it just end? Mm, I don't know if Riverdale just ended. It did. I think he was on ending clip of like Betty at the end of her life or something. Yeah. Then they take her to the diner that they all hang out at, and then they're like the other three are waiting for her in a booth, yeah. and I'm like polyamory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last bit of news I've got for you is I always keep an eye on Magic the Gathering, even though it's way too expensive for me to get back into. And uh, Hasbro and Marvel announced Monday that they will be bringing Marvel to Magic the Gathering. The Avengers will be uh, cards in Magic the Gathering, which feels like a very full circle moment because there's been so many um, Marvel card games yeah. in my lifetime. <laughs> and it started, they tried to put their own uh, game out called Overpower, and that had very terrible computer-generated art mm. um, and was very bad. But I still have some overpower cards. Eventually, they moved on when Yu-Gi-Oh! hit and uh, another Konami franchise. That's why they don't care about their video game franchise. As long as we right. can keep rolling in Yu-Gi-Oh! money, then who gives a shit? I am surprised anybody still cares about Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I don't know. I don't I, get it. I don't get it either. Uh, but uh, the Upper Deck was publishing the Yu-Gi-Oh cards in the same way that um, Nintendo went to Wizards of the Coast, the Magic the Other people, to originally publish Pokemon cards for them and then realized, why are we using a third party to do this? We can just do this ourselves and keep all the money. Right. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but Upper Deck had uh, taken their money that they had made from Yu-Gi-Oh and invested in a versus system, they called it, which started with Marvel superheroes and then eventually panned over to DC heroes so you could have DC versus Marvel games. Yeah. Which was really fun. And now it looks like uh, Marvel is joining Magic the Gathering as of next year. So that'll be cool. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back for the really big fan power, we're going to talk about Fight You 5 <laughs> the Found in the Underground event that uh, Acronym, my co-host, just put on over the weekend so uh, we'll be back right after that and we're back with the really big fan podcast as always you can follow us on social media at really big fan pod it's also where you can find us on twitch i uh, like to stream some games on there but mostly you can uh, find us streaming the show when we do it wednesdays or Thursdays, depending on the schedule, around 7 o'clock in the evenings. Um, and you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash reallybigfanpod. That's where you can get our Patreon-exclusive show, The Double Feature, where me and Mike Pandoff rate movies into our top 10 list. We're up to uh, 14, so we've had four movies that we have to kind of cut from the list already. So if you want to check that out, it's just 5 bucks a month over at Patreon, patreon.com uh, backslash reallybigfanpod. And now that this show is done, I will catch up on videos. There you go. Over on Patreon. It'll be great. And on YouTube. So this past weekend, uh, we put together, or I should say you put together, 
your fifth found in the underground show. Where did the where did the title found in the underground come from? I was just trying to come up with a name for it. Yeah, it just wasn't like acronyms having an art show and there's other people involved. So I mean, that's a very Fallout Boy t- title for a art show. I mean, it could be, but uh, I found in my circles over the years that if my name is somehow involved in it, like my pseudo name of acronym, that people feel like it's only building me and not them. Ah. So if I would have called it something like acronym fest or something stupid like yes. that, like that would have probably deterred people from actually being involved. Um, I figured found in the underground was to note that these are artists that people don't really see a lot of the time. One of the things that I touted about it was that all of the people that were really vending, aside from like one or two people, like you're not going to find these people at DIY Fest. You're not going to find them at, you know, Comic-Con or like different things like that. Right. Really out of like all the people that are in the shows, I think um, Glass by Gaston is the only one that does stuff like that. Sure. And I think um, Anthony R. Brass will sometimes do like... um at like an Ann Arbor art fair or something like that. But like most of these people, not to say that those things are bad, like those events are bad. It's just I want people to realize that these are more localized people that you're not going to see doing the vending things. When you do something like DIY or, you know, um, Arts Beats and Eats or anything like that, those are really expensive. Yeah, you wanted something a little bit smaller in scale and price for those people. Accessible for people like me, because I was like, there's no way I'd be paying for that. And there be even been certain things, like I think DIY told um, the people that were applying that you're not allowed to share a booth anymore. Mm. So even if like all of us wanted to go in on a booth, we couldn't do it. That's weird. Which I think is bullshit. That is kind of like, I, I understand where they're coming from, but also oh, like, just yeah, they want you all to have to get a separate booth, but also like some people can't afford a booth, so let's just let them group up. Exactly. And for the longest time, like I wanted uh, like all of the found on the undergrounds prior to this one, entry fee was just 25 bucks. So it was really, really accessible for people. This time it was 50 just because prices have gone up on everything. So yeah. we, we had to do that. And I double checked with the community before I did it. I put up the status basically like, can y'all afford this? Because I don't know if I can afford to do this show if we don't do this. Yeah. And everybody agreed that that was more than fair and to charge 15 bucks at the door versus I, I think it went from seven bucks to eight bucks to nine bucks every time. Like it went up a dollar. Sure. Other than that, like 15 bucks for three stages of music and multiple artists. Really not a bad price. Okay. So that was kind of the basis of setting it up. And then this is the fifth one you've done. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I know because I live with you, <laughs> but how did this fifth one come about? Oh, because you you were <laughs> crazy rambling. Um, so I'm a crazy person and I wasn't really thinking about it at the time. And then they announced that Theater Bazaar wasn't going to be happening this year. And this is no slight to the people that do Theater Bazaar. I wasn't trying to be a jerk by doing this or even saying it. I'm just being honest here. I can't compete with y'all. So for me, I've always wanted this to be a Halloween show. I love Halloween. We already went over this. I'm just a spooky bitch. (laughs) And so when I realized that it wasn't happening for real, for real, I went, oh, this is the only chance I have. Yeah. 
So I checked with the Tangent Gallery, which is usually the home of this. I've only done one found in the underground, not at the Tangent Gallery, and it was not a great one. So <laughs> we're never doing that again. <laughs> Unless there is another art venue that somehow just pops up out of nowhere that's super amazing, this Tangent is really the best place to do this. So went back to the Tangent. They have an outdoor stage now, which we actually didn't end up using for this because it was too cold. And I asked the DJs, I'm like, okay, do you want to be where it's colder on the stage or do you want to be warmer and underneath, a, uh, you know, an overhang? And they're like, oh, yeah, we can just do the overhang. That's totally fine. And I'm like, okay, we'll just set up a table there instead of having you up on the stage where you're going to get hit with wind every five seconds. So that's why they were over more by the food. Dave gave me the option to do either. So I let them pick. That's cool. So that's another one of the things that is important to me about the show is that the people that are are involved kind of have a say in everything i'm not trying to do this in a sense of a building myself or building like you know my brand as a person or anything like that it's that every time that this has happened it's been because there's been a need community wise for us to do it and one of the things that i had been hearing a lot over the pandemic and after the pandemic, there had been people that had just started doing art stuff that had nowhere to go. There were people that, you know, they fell out of the community or felt like they didn't have one. And I kept hearing it from everybody. And it wasn't like anybody was trying to goat me into doing it. It was just more like, man, I just wish I could connect with more people. Like, wish I could see more people. I really don't know how to put my art out there. Or let's face it, a lot of us that neurodivergent people run in packs we're like mentally ill cattle we're not great at promoting ourselves right like even as loud as i am on social media and and i can say loud but that can also translate to annoying as fuck and i understand that i am um the basis of it is is like if you're not loud enough you don't get seen and so it's hard for some of these people to put that much time and energy and it's exhausting to have to promote yourself that way. Right. So it's more of me going, okay, I can see that there's a need. I can see that people really want to connect with other people. There are people that started new projects. Like Possum Punk started in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. They, you know, prior to that, uh, one of the team on Possum Punks had done the show before underneath a different brand and was more so doing... Um, like thrifting sales of of different um, vintage clothing and things like that. Okay. This was completely different than that this time around. And then there were some people that like I'd never connected with before that, you know, were ended up being part of the show. So with all of that being said, it was just basically going, okay, I see there's a need for it. People keep talking about it. There's no theater bazaar this year. This might be the only shot to have a Halloween party. Let me check with them. And they, the tangent is now an actual gallery. So that's that's another thing that has changed over the pandemic and, and now is that they actually have rotating art through the gallery every four months, I believe. And so with that in mind, we had vendors with tables instead of having things hung in the gallery because of my ready fire aim mentality sure. on this. But they had a Sunday available. And even though I know Sundays are a gamble, and I know it was getting colder. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. And so I, you know, threw the money down on a deposit and then started just throwing everything together. And honestly, at the first one was like that. 
I, yeah. I put the first one together in three weeks. <laughs> and that was one of the like the bigger turnout shows that we had was one that I threw together in three weeks. So I knew I could do it. It wasn't me going like, oh, crap, I'm not going to be able to pull this together in time. I actually had more time. I right. Had, I had like five weeks this time. <laughs> and so and I knew it would be a little bit more of a struggle because like everybody kind of with the pandemic, a lot of people have changed what they do. A lot of people stopped doing art as well. So there were a lot of different people that we had in this time around. But there were some returning people. Right. And all in all, it's basically to try and help get visibility to other people. And yeah, it takes a lot out of me. And yeah, sometimes it's stressful. But honestly, this was the least stressful one I've ever put together, mm-hmm. despite how little time I had. So it was fine with me. So in addition to having all the artists, you also had two stages of music, which you typically do with these things. I do two. Yeah. How, this was three. You're right. How does how did mentally like how did that come together in your head that like I, I'm going to have bands as well was it just a matter of well i'm using the tent and gallery and they have stages so why wouldn't i have musical acts well i have friends that are all in music too so with the the first three it was okay let's have you know i i think the first two of them had the rock stages yeah the first two had rock stages and it that was because it had the space and we had people that were in bands including you right so it was like well, why the fuck not? Would I have not put drizzle in there? Right, that needs to happen, you know. So, and you look at you know, bathroom in the future. We've had a couple of them on so right. far, and I'm like, well, of course, like I want to have bathroom in the future here. Um, I have. I noticed he didn't ask us to return for this one. Uh, <laughs> Ron was in the state. You guys would have been on there, um, but you know, when you have Ron gone and he had uh, Jason I'm, gone. I'm, I'm giving you shit. <laughs> I'm jokingly giving you. Shit. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, why, why? I did try to. I, this one. I did try to get bathroom at the future. They yeah. had another show. They did. But Anti Ghost was our headliner this year, and I was really stoked about that. Yeah. And I want to have them back because I felt like because it was Sunday, some people were kind of like, "Oh, it's too, it's too early." Or like, I got to get out early because i gotta work in the morning it's there was school night. yeah there was definitely uh, a, a vibe of like it is a school night i don't want to be here until yes. midnight one in the morning but um you know i had the rock stage end at 10 because of that yeah i wanted to make sure you know we started the rock stuff because i know edm people they're gonna party all night no matter yeah they, they, they don't know what they don't care what time it is we're gonna be the latest anyway so we had um Anaghost, which they very much have like a Nirvana vibe to they their do. behavior, but they're the sweetest dudes. They certainly were. I got, I got to talk to them briefly, and they're they're very cool. I mean, their drummer does remind me of Dave Grohl. Like oh, their singer, the 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 way he he screams, mm-hmm. like he he screams in a way that I look at at forty six and be like, how do you do that? on a frequent basis (laughs) and and be able to not talk mess up your voice yeah yeah Yeah, exactly um Uh, but there i've loved watching them play uh the the brief couple of songs i got to see from that they played my favorite song as i was walking in yes like see i'm glad i made you over there i was like go go i will sit here go watch them for at least two songs you had me at the door which uh was in the room where all the rap acts were so i missed (laughs) most of the cool rock acts yes um but i i'm glad i did get to see them 
but they were very cool. I had told them, and this was legitimately the reason, was that they were on the Cutthroat Freak Show, which is not a found in the underground thing, but I was which was involved. which was the last one of the last shows Drizzle played. Yes, um, and Randy had booked them, and I was doing something with my camera, and I was looking down, and all of a sudden. Someone's guitar was at my feet. <laughs> and I just like I looked up and I was like, I fucking love these guys. So yep. I straight up told them that was why I booked them. That was I was like, yes, yes, that's that is rock and roll. That is what I want. That was my other old man moment is like this. So they didn't destroy their instruments at the end the way Nirvana would would, but um the, the guitarist has like a fender jaguar, which is the guitar Kurt played. Mm-hmm. Uh so there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of Nirvana influence on them. Yeah. Um. But like he was swinging it around, and and like he used it like to to push his pedals. He just uh-huh. like thunk thunk to like you know turn them on or off or something like that. And I was like, that's a very expensive guitar to be treating like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when I was in my twenties, I would throw my guitar across the room, and I didn't. You know, I didn't, dad had to fix it. Dad had to fix it for me. Like I didn't think that way. Now I do. Now that I'm a, I'm an adult. Yep. Uh, I definitely look at stuff and be like, "Ooh, that's expensive. Don't treat it that way." Um, but no, they were fantastic. Yeah. And I'm a little bummed that I got I missed uh, Never Knows Best because I, I everybody was jazzed about. That. I walked in at one point. I think I, I I took a bathroom break real quick, and I walked in at one point. And they were playing, and it was just two dudes with guitars. One of them was playing playing a Fender Strat, but it was two dudes with guitars and like a drum machine. But they were playing like punk slash ebo music. Yep. And they're named after like uh, a frame from Fooly Cooly, the anime, mm-hmm. where the girl has it written on her cigarette. Never knows best. And I was like, ha. Huh. So I'm gonna end up pulling them up on. Uh, I'm gonna follow them on. Spotify and yeah. giving, giving them some streams. That was their first show ever. Really? I had no clue they did, booked them. I, I only saw them for about a minute, but they looked awesome. Yeah, they looked they very great. comfortable and very good. They were very they were very great. They were very nice. One of them is British. Excellent. Like hella British. So like I was talking to him after and I'm like, it took me back for a second. I was like, yeah. oh God. Because it's like, I'm booking everybody over the internet. Let's be honest. Sure. Like, I don't talk to people on the phone. I am not that person. So I, I'm talking to Master, end up finding out like they're both passionate about like writing too. Now they want to write for the zine. So I have a nice. meeting with them at some point. Um, one of the two of them wants to do a, a column on a trans artist per month of music. Interesting. And so that that was something he pitched to me was he wants to highlight somebody per month, a specific song. That is by a trans artist. I feel like we're going to have them on the podcast. Yeah. Because the more you tell me about them, the more I want to be friends with them. Yes. yes. (laughs) You're awesome. Um, We're going to have it on the podcast and I'm going to use that to platform myself as their next drummer or bass player or something. Right. So I can join the band and then I'll be in their band. There you go. guy in their band. No, they they were super awesome though, and um, they were actually I I didn't even find them. That was courtesy of Brandon Conlon from Design Print and Pro. Awesome. Um, or uh, Diamond Print and Pro. My bad. Um, he was one of the sponsors of the event. Did all of the graphics for the event, and I was putting together bands. And when I asked Bathroom in the Future, and they said they couldn't do it, I was like, man, I need one more band. I'm freaking out. And he was like, I got somebody for you. And like he didn't even tell me it was their first show, anything like wow. that. So that was that was kind of funny after the fact to hear that. Right. He was like, "Yeah, that was our first show," and I was like, "Shit!" And that, that's honestly funny enough, though. 
the uh, fourth found in the underground, which was the Lexus Velodrome show, which is the show I dislike the most right. out of all of them. That was Cass's first show. Because I also gave her her first opportunity. That's fun. So, like, to have her back was another, like, huge thing. She was one of the DJs. Yes. Okay. So, like, I'm kind of, like, I'm going to go through each people real quick. because I. Well, I wanted to mention Steve as well. Yeah. Because he was dressed as Super Mario. And where else are you going to see Super Mario playing guitar and singing to you? Yes. That was pretty great. He actually covered a Nirvana song. Yeah. I heard him at one point walking through the room. Um, Jake Webb was the one that was in between Never Knows Best and Anna Ghost. I... I caught a video after the fact because honestly, I, and it's, I feel so bad that I can't be in all rooms at once yep. because I miss things. Yep. Um, Jake was on stage and covered uh, a White Stripes song. Very cool. Point that I saw a video of today or yesterday. Yeah. So I was like, that was pretty awesome. He's been almost on every lineup that I've done. I remember playing after Jake Webb. Yep. The the one of the ones that yeah, Jizzle played he, playing after and being like, Man, those guys are great. Why did we have to play after them? <laughs> he had a band at one point together called um it was Jake Webb and the Commitments. That was it, yeah. Um, and then uh this time he played acoustic and then he had somebody come up with a saxophone at one point. Hell yeah. Uh and I was like, sweet. Um, but he I I love that guy. I actually met him at the radio station. He was doing video for you guys. Oh, fun. And so like he was like an intern and yeah, yeah. just like Wait, you do music? I want to be friends with you. Right. So, yes, that's how that happened. Um, And then we had Elrad open the entire show. What a voice. I love Elrad. Super awesome person. Yep. Um, And it was great to have them open the show because I had seen them perform at... um, at Shawnee, it's, yeah, it was a the Matilda, Matilda, Matilda thing, and I was like, okay, I'm keeping an eye on this one, <laughs> and the Urban Explorer too. Yep. So I was like, fuck yeah. So that ended, up, um, they ended up winning the second place of the costume contest as well. That's cool. And first place was Jordan. Yeah. And uh, that was awesome. Yeah, they had cool costumes. Yeah, they, El- they went all out. The the Elrath's, I think I think it's Elrath's partner mm-hmm. was dressed like the devil and yes. the red face paint and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's really like a devil. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty awesome. Um, the the costume contest like I was having a hard time getting the announcement to happen or whatever. But um, Serona Wellness Spa had donated the the gift card for that so yeah. uh jordan got a either a massage or a float or something nice to do a treat yourself moment that was something i wanted to bring up too is this is the first time you had sponsors for stuff isn't yes, it yeah that's pretty awesome i may add sponsors um leaf and bud was the rock stage sponsor mm-hmm. which actually steve is part of that group so that's how that we made that happen um, and that was pretty awesome because I'd never had a, a any sponsors before and they were the first to sign on. And then on the rap side, we had Rap Camp. Rap Camp is run by Kilo. Um, love him. He's a really sweet guy. He set up the entire thing and <laughs> there was like 30 people on the stage at any given point there were a lot of people for the rap stage i was i was at the door and it felt i felt like every five minutes he was bringing another person in and saying they're with the they're with the rap camp yeah they're with rap camp they're with rap i'm like okay yep that, that was how it worked so with with that his i knew behind the scenes that he was going all out with it yeah but we didn't announce it because he wanted it to be kind of a surprise with everything so during um, the Crimson Alchemist set, 
some things got shifted around last minute so we had a little bit of a lineup um shift but it ended up being crimson alchemist mark cooper and mosh pit gang were in the 10 to 11 slot and so they kind of um mixed it up throughout there but then there were people jumping in and kind of um adding to it we did have a cypher in the beginning of the set and that was part of aunt bell's set um there was tons of people involved in that mosh pit gang had multiple people in it there was the rap camp set which was just snaz axel solace bz brown and comic and so that was like a whole chunk of time there was uh amy J, and uh there was another female rapper that was on stage at one point and i'm blanking on what her name was at the moment i don't have it in front of me on this lineup because the change happened like two days beforehand um but it worked out perfectly everybody seemed to have a great time um, I know Krim has been somebody that I've always wanted to book for this because she's just been phenomenal. Uh, she actually, I came across her when I was working for Detroit Is It. We had a press release for her Valentine's Day EP. And what struck me was that she's a lesbian rapper. And like all of her music was talking about that, but then also it has influences of nerdcore. Mm-hmm. So... Kilo is part of the group of like you have Crimson Alchemist, you've got Mark Cooper, and then there's him. He's the photographer. He's just he's just the guy that puts the stuff on, and then he's got all these people around him that are hella talented on the mic. Right. So it it was pretty cool to have them in the same space. And, you know, they're rapping about Naruto and like different yeah. things like that. And to get Mark on the stage was something that was like a really important thing to me as well. I wanted to make sure Mark was represented because he is he was like the first person on the podcast for one, but like yeah. he's super amazing on the mic. He's got this whole project called Gerald's Field that is just like it is a body of work. It's he's telling an entire story through mm. the whole thing. And I told him like I got to the end of that album and I was just crying. Like it was so good and I was so happy to see him get on the mic and everything. One woman told him he was being too ferocious and like Mark is not that ferocious, but there is a difference between stage Mark yeah. and talking to Mark in person. He's right. a very chill person in person and then he gets on the mic and he's just He's good. And I'm just like, oh, I love That's what I, I was I was telling you is that I know that like I'm biased because I feel, you know, like Mark's a friend. Yeah. But he was my favorite. <laughs> Uh, Mark is amazing. Um, all all the people that had showed up, they showed up and they they hit it hard, and I was really happy with it, mm-hmm. and um, happy with Kilo doing it overall, and and it just it was great. And it, the thing is, is that I've had a rap stage before one other time, but the differences between somebody that has his fingers in it all the time. Sure. Like, they're putting on shows downtown at Willis Show Bar. They're at Trixie's. They're doing all these different shows. And so they're ha- they have a wealth of talent there. Everybody that I know is almost retired or retired. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm dragging people out of the woodwork. Like, yeah. come on, Medici. You want to be in a show one more time? Come on, Jay. Get right. your ass out here. And like... I, I could I was, have done that, but I didn't want to. I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love the people that I had in my, my corner of my rap days. You know, like Medici Artisan is one of my buddies, and I, I think he took a break. And then um, Jay Oso was the person that I had before that he headlined the stage the last time. And, like, he's ferocious on the mic, too, but I don't think he's really doing a lot right now. 
Fausto is working on new music, but he's not ready yet. And so it was just like, I looked at it and went, you know what? I'm going to let someone that knows what they're doing and has the people do this instead because it's not going to work if I do it. Uh, So that turned out awesome. And then I I spoke about this on social media quite a bit, um, but I'll, I'll say it here as well. I ended up setting up the the DJ stage and curated that one myself as well as as well as the rock side with um the DJs it was really important for me to book all females. I I that is one of the things that Detroit is not great about backing their women when it comes to things. Interesting. And a lot of the time the men that are DJs will get bitchy and be like, "Well, you're booking the women cuz they're hot." And that's frustrating to me. Oh, I'm sure. There, there are some of these guys that, like, even guys that I know that I I could consider, you know, acquaintances, friends, they sit there and bitch about the girls that are also modeling and the girls that are also doing this other stuff. And I'm right. like, you know what? Th- that doesn't negate their talent, you know? Just because, you know... No, but it to, it can know. be... It's it's the same It's the same with, you know, being on Twitch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like if, we, if we were two ladies in uh, a swimming pool in bikinis, I'm yes. sure we would have a lot yeah. more viewers. Streams, yeah. Kind of thing. Exactly. But that also doesn't negate that, like, there's, there's a work ethic behind that, too. Exactly. Kind of thing. So, like, with that, like, Quirrell, one of my really good friends, I, I love her to pieces. I, I Anytime I can find an opportunity for her, I am throwing her into something, which I, I also did because now I can talk about this. I, I co-produced a big time Rush music video. Right. And that just came out this week. And not only is she in the video as the DJ, she was in the teaser that they posted. And I was just like, yes, yes, we got it. We got it. We did it. So <laughs> I was super jazzed about that. And I was going to say the the important thing though is that like you you like you like making opportunities for her because uh, she also because she goes she shows up. Talented. She's fucking talented. She shows up. She does her thing, and she's she's seriously the best in my in my mind. Like I need her to be on a movement lineup. I need her yeah. to be you know on these bigger lineups because I I, I believe in her that much. And I, she's not even been around that long. She just started like a couple years ago. Right. But she's already, you know, um, done after parties with Grizz. And she's open for all of these major artists and stuff like that. And That's so cool. I was really happy that, A, you know, it, you get sometimes where like some of those people where like they get to do that and then they feel like some of this other stuff is beneath them. Yeah. And I was really glad that she wanted to do this. And not only was that was when it was over with, she was like, you need to be fucking proud of yourself. This was fun fucking awesome right you know so that was definitely something i needed to hear because i'm like i always am like imposter syndrome in my brain but um we had that like i mentioned earlier cass she had her first show was at the found in the underground four so to bring her back for five and see her growth and how much she's gotten into her own because you know when you're starting you're like you're good but you're like you're still learning your child oh sure thing out now it's like she's fucking killing it Rady Lex is part of pretty much anything. Like every Ferndale Pride, I feel like in the last couple of years, I've seen her play. Um, she's an arts, beats, and needs. She's at all these different venues that she'll play, and she's fucking killer. And then um, we brought on DJ Hemlock, which is my buddy Gabby, who actually is also, um, she does men's haircuts. Like she's a men's hairstyle. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah, I don't know. I could use a. You're like I could use Twitch a haircut. Can, people at Twitch can tell you right now I could use a haircut. That was who was buzzing my neck and like 
shaping the back of my head for so long. Right. I was going down to Detroit. Right. I was going to Gabby to get my hair cut. And so um, I, I had been talking to her about it because she had her decks in the room. Um, She has like this loft space. And I go, wait, you DJ too? And she's like, yeah. And like she ended up playing Royal Oak Pride this past year. And so I had told her like, between her and Quirrell, like, they were the reason I wanted to do this. Yeah. And I was like, if I can pull this out of my ass at some point, I want you to DJ. And so she ended up opening the night, Quirrell closed the night. And I was super jazzed with it. And it meant a lot to me to have them and give them a space. Um, Not, like, not to say, like, it's not a savior complex of, like, oh, I need to give them a space to do their thing. Right. They're all fucking killer within their own right. And they, they do the damn thing when they're doing the damn thing. I just wanted to bring them all together and they're all friends. And so it was just that type of setup. That's the thing about the DJ stage that entertains me as well. Having been a musician is the fact that like nobody has to move equipment. No. Everyone just like they use plugs the- a US plugs a USB uh drive in and mm-hmm. Gets all their stuff in there and then just goes to work. Yep. And it's it, almost like I, I haven't played very many shows where you were, um, I can't remember what that's called, but like backlined. Yeah. Where it's like, no, you just plug your guitar into the amp that's there and you pedals and then you go. Or right. the drummer just sits down at the kit and plays and then gets up and the next drummer just sits out of the kit and plays kind of thing. Like, and that's usually you don't see a lot of that in, in, you know, like traditional music. Right. And that's usually how we run the rock stage a lot of the time. But Anagos was the only one that had a drummer this time around. Right. So sound guys were thrilled. Yeah. I, like I, I got three acoustic acts. I got one setup that has a drum machine and then the other's a drum kit. And they're like, oh shit, that's easy. And I'm like, yeah. there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> but it, it worked out very well overall. Like all three stages went awesome. And I was super jazzed about everybody that that performed. And I, I thank them for that because, you know, it when you have these different people come through and this is why like the show is really important and trying to promote it and everything else is is it's a community-based event Mm -hmm. i'm just an artist i'm not an event company i don't know what the hell i'm doing i'm just doing a thing like i i'm throwing things together i'm not trained in this like i don't know what i'm just like i'm just gonna have an art show and i want my friends to play it's like a glorified house party a little bit so for me, I'm like, I'm I'm happy it works out, and I wanted to elevate it this time by having three stages. That was another thing that I had told myself before, was that if I ever did this again, it needed to be bigger every time. And I needed to step it up every time, whether that was, you know, having something different involved, whether that was, you know, having more artists or, you know, adding, because we had the rock stage, I think, twice, and then I added a rap stage the third time. And then the fourth time we went and did the velodrome and we just had a DJ set up in the middle. But then I had like somebody doing like hoop spinning. We brought in a coffee kiosk from, um, uh, what is it, Dessert Oasis Coffee Company. Right. Every time I try to add something different. I wish I could trust people with a bounce house because I would get one. <laughs> I feel like people are too drunk and stoned to be in a bounce house. Yeah, there was definitely a couple of people there that I would not trust with a bounce house. Exactly. So that that was my headspace there or else there would be a bounce house. I just don't trust people enough. Unnecessary. Um, <laughs> But that's why I say it's like I want to elevate it every time and it's really important. So, And then with that, it's, you know, with the artists as well. This time around, I I always try to gun for about 30 artists. This time was less than that, but part of that was also the fact that we weren't hanging art in the gallery. Sure. 
And it was to the point of like you get some photographers that's like, well, I don't really know what to do with a table. And then, yeah. then you see Jacob and Sam come in with drywall and tools, and they built a fucking wall. They did. They, I thought he was just going to go get some plywood nope. and set up little feet and then just hate. No, they built a wall. And I should have known better because Jacob's dad was a painter. Sure. And so Jacob knows how to build that stuff, and they built a wall. And then they're going, you think we can leave this here? And I go, I don't think so. And he's like, what do I do with it? <laughs> so it was it, that was kind of hilarious. Um, the tangent has also expanded their building so much that we were able to have an artist alley. This yeah, time. that was something we never did before. So we had people set up, um, going across from each other all the way down in a, basically a bigger hallway the size of like a garage door all the way down. You can pull cars in there. That's the type of size it is. So we had everybody set up in there or on the outside walls of the room versus having people go in through the center. Sometimes when we get at a capacity level, we have tables in the middle of the rock room. So this gave it a little bit more space. It also kind of made it like, to be honest, for myself, I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, the room doesn't look as full. Right. When you don't have the tables in the middle. But at the same time, we ended up, I counted we had 164 people in the building, not counting staff. So that's that's pretty solid for a Sunday yeah. when it's cold outside. Well, I, I think <laughs> the most important thing is that um, usually when you do these, you're very exhausted. But I I tend to think this is the first time I've seen you do one of these that like you you were pretty pleased. Yes. But by the end, you were like and, and everybody was. Everybody I, yeah, everybody I talked to was pretty happy. I, I don't think there were any real big problems that arose. And it's the kind of thing that I say all the time about, like, when I look at Motor City Comic Con or I look at Yumicon or something like that and, and look at the groups and look at people complaining, like, before the events even happened and then right. complaining during the event. There's always drama. There's always stuff. And thankfully, this is still small enough that the drama is small. And and doesn't like overshadow everyone's good time. Yeah. And honestly, for me, like I looked at it and I was like the the little pieces of drama were like a couple people dropped out and it wasn't even necessarily drama. It was just more of like either people got sick or they had mental health. And then there was a couple people that honestly they signed up and then decided they couldn't afford it later on. Sure. And and shit happens with that that's not a big deal you know i i did see like one very drunk person yeah but like beyond that like there really wasn't any crazy amounts of drama with it and i felt like i didn't have to usually sometimes I, it's like all the other shows that i put on before and i'm trying to say this as delicately as i can i have had to keep my staff on task yeah and this time around, that wasn't a problem. You know, I did. Yeah, because your staff was like four, four people. people. <laughs> exactly. You know, but that's that's part of it is, you know, you, I, I can't I'm not good at delegating because I can't trust people to do things sometimes. So like one of my friends was making fun of me because I was running around taking pictures and I'm like, yeah. I don't do it. No one's going to do it. Right. So I'm doing it. And I was just like running around with my camera still. They're like, why can't you enjoy yourself? Why don't you just slow down? No, I can't. And if I slow down, the adrenaline wears off and then I'm going to be in pain. So I need to keep moving. Um, but with with that in mind, too, I had like even in Mark at one point looked at me and he's like, you should sit down. Yeah. You drank water. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Thank you, Mark. I needed that. Um, <laughs> you need, like, on Twitch, you need a hydrate. Yeah, I need a hydrate button to just yeah. pop up over my head. Um, but, you know, with, with that in mind, though, like, um, my friend Anna Thomas, she runs um, Animar- Animosity Marketing and Merch. She actually was our stage manager for the rock side. Everybody was on time or early. Yeah, she's she said everybody was really total professional, like super awesome. Um, we had, you know, Kilo was taking care of the rap stage. So that was all his his side of things. And then honestly, the DJs are really self-sufficient. You know, Cass was the one that brought her equipment and right. everybody just set up and roll and they don't even stop the music to change over. They just everybody switches in and out and they flow over each other. That's and cool. I, I knew I didn't have to worry about them. Yeah. Like they were not somebody I was concerned with at all. I was like, the fucking DJs can handle themselves. I'm not worried about them. They're all solid. So to have that and not have to worry about it because the people that I had there were on point with what they do. That means a lot to me, too. I don't have as much to worry about then. And I, I know we're kind of going a little longer, but I do want to make sure I highlight the artists that were here as well. Um, we had Sid Draws stuff. Awesome artist. She was set up with Sandra's Creepy Dolls and Rich H Creations. So they were out in the artist alley area. If you if you were there and you're listening to this and you walked by, you would have seen the Creepy Dolls and then the side that had all of the other art and jewelry. Rich actually has a little figurine that kind of looks like Mr. Clean. Sits on the table. It's got a little soul patch and it Mm. has a sign that says, if you want to buy something, find the man that looks like me. It's hysterical. So I I love those guys. They were actually, and I want to say this on record, that Sandra and Rich are part of the reason why I did this this time. Was they, and it wasn't even like recent planting seeds but i ran into rich at another event and he was like man are you ever gonna do another one of those like we always love doing them we get to meet so many people like and i was like yeah you know i've thought about it i just i just don't know i I have to figure that out And, and it took me like six or seven months to really think about it but they were really instrumental in inspiring me to keep it going because I mean, you're you're talking people I had never met before that signed on to the show once and then they've come back every time that I've done it and they've been really happy with it. So, you know, thank you to them, obviously. Um, Between Two Bolts and Sam Nork, they've both been on the podcast. That's Jacob Guyampa and Sam Nork and they're both phenomenal um, concert photographers. If you want to listen to back episodes, if you haven't heard their episodes, they both really love Plink-182 and and concerts in general. So definitely give them a listen if you haven't listened to those episodes already. Um, We unfortunately, Six Feet Over and Suck at Suicide had to drop last minute. They were going to be our like charitable outreach for this event. Um, Everybody on their team got the flu. Yikes. Really sad about but um, they they still sent out their newsletter and put us in it and sent people our way. So absolutely thank you to them. Um, Blu-ray Designs, that's somebody I've known for years because they used to work at Ink Addict. And so that was somebody that was both friends with me and Brandon from uh, Diamond Print and Pro. Mm-hmm. And so she signed on. She was like the first person, the like first or second person to sign on. So I was really stoked to have her board. She had like a phone booth thing at her table oh i didn't see that she was in the wrap room so she was the one that was on the left hand side but she had like a like a phone thing um and 
she had um one of those uh i forget what brand it is but you know those painter t-shirts like when you're like painting a house and it's got the little globe on it or like okay. logo with the red and the blues right she has a blu-ray designs version of that interesting up and tons of amazing art she had pins all this other stuff um amplify photography that is my buddy austin he's another concert photographer phenomenal guy was super happy to have him aboard uh dg art which is dom he was in the rap room as well and was super stoked to be there he's like you put me right by the rap stage (laughs) and i was like i'm glad you're happy about that i wasn't sure if you liked rap i fucking love rap music he was hype about it and he was at the table just jamming like having a blast so he was he was definitely digging it he had tons of um different designs he had coasters on the table and stuff and then he has um like t-shirts and hoodies i ended up buying a hoodie from him that was like my one big purchase of the night because i don't have tons of cash but i was like i want to at least get this hoodie because i've been looking at this thing for like three years now (laughs) and uh, like every show he's had this specific design and i'm like so I picked that up. It's like a creepy looking piece of pizza on, yeah. on a black hoodie. Yeah, you wore that the other day. Yeah. So I was super stoked to have that. And I love him. He's been at pretty much every show as well. Um, he's buddies with Glass by Gaston, who I mentioned earlier, who is who did the candy corn earrings that I'm wearing. I don't like candy corn for the people that have a visual. I'm wearing candy corn earrings. Um, they're not actual candy. They're corn. not candy corn ear, like actual candy corn. But the card that they were attached to has the band corn on them. Yeah. And in the colors of the the logo of corn, yeah, it's the candy corn. The colors. white, orange, and yellow. I hate candy corn. <laughs> hate it. But because this was marketed so perfectly towards someone like me, I bought candy corn earrings. Is that like that Nintendo 64 shirt you gave me? Yes. You gave it to me because you know that Nintendo 64 is not one of my favorite systems. Yes. But it's just like things like that. I'm like, no, I I need to have that. Plus, I was like, I already have all the eyeballs I like. Right. So I was like, I was looking at the eyeballs and I'm like, do I really need a third eyeball right now? No. But I gotta get these fucking earrings. So, and we, I I had this conversation with Aaron earlier today. He has been at every single found in the underground, including the tiny mini one that happened at Disco Walls for my birthday. So he beats Jacob by one show. Okay. Everybody else has either been on like three or four shows. He's been at every single one. And he's like, I respect the hustle, man. We're right here. And it was kind of a funny thing as well to have it set up and have him there because as time has gone on with the, the glass stuff that he's done, he's expanded into doing glass pieces for stoners and stuff, which obviously fits my demographic of things. Right. And um, at one point, one of the other artists was like, hey, I wanted to go outside and smoke real quick. Do you have a bowl by any chance? I'm like, go talk to Aaron. He's got you. <laughs> so that was pretty hysterical to have on board. Um this one was really interesting. So Rhyme Media is equal parts Marguerite Wazinski and Ryan Reed Photo. And they have like their collective group is Rhyme Media. They did um, graphic. So instead of doing a table or having any physical properties, he created like 3D art that you would scan on barcodes. So he was sticking the barcodes around the rooms on anything metal 
because they put little magnets on it. And if you scanned it, then you would be able to see the art and access it. Wild. Yeah. So there was like one outside by the the sandwich board. There was a couple other ones on different poles. There were ones in other rooms that he had on like metal poles and different things where he could stick them to. And then he was walking around and also um, getting people to pose for portraits and adding wings to people. Interesting. So there are graphics and videos of people with these different um that's it just an interesting way to approach the whole process. Yeah. He said that like he still he probably next time will also do a table, but for this one he wanted to try this out and see if it worked. So that ended up being really cool. Um we had Transdelic Art who had a bunch of kind of psychedelic art. There were like uh, very neon colored mushroom paintings and things like that. I ended up getting a bracelet from her at one point. Um she was actually stationed near where my stuff was which was like in a back corner and I was just like I don't I don't even have time to worry about my shit. here's a <laughs> laptop it's running my pictures it's fine um, <laughs> so I ended up talking to her for a while and looked at some of her stuff and she's going to be at the I, I don't remember what the event is called but if you look up um Smokeahannis mm. that is an event that uh that person is putting on an event that she will also be at um we also had SM Tabor Photography. Steve has been one of my friends and my enemies since we were 15 and 17 years old. And he makes a great Team Rocket grunt. And he makes a great Team Rocket grunt. He showed up in a full Team Rocket gear, which was awesome. And he's like, well, I'm I'm not Jesse and James. I'm just a grunt. <laughs> but I've known, I've literally known Steve since I was like 14 or 15 years old. And we just were always in the same... Um, music scene circles he used to be in a band photographed them tons of times and everything so it's funny like as the years have gone on how long i have been like friends but also had this like right i say friends and enemies because there were points in times where we wanted to kill each other so that's just always been us uh so it was always great to have him around um there are some other people too i'm trying to like remember everybody i'm gonna pull up the instagram real quick and i'm trying to run through these as quick as i can so don't anybody think that i don't love you if i'm not saying tons of things i'm just trying to remember everybody and fit them all in i I brought up possum punks earlier they they were on the podcast last week yep yep and they were they do tabletop um how how do you say it ttrpgs yeah tabletop rpg uh resources i'm like i don't know anything about that even even listening to them talk about it on the podcast i'm like I don't understand. Um, but they had a bunch of other designs as well. They had a bunch of stickers and, and prints and things. So we were super stoked to have them aboard. Lyco was there. He does tons of paint works. I saw, I think Steve bought something from him. Mm. If it wasn't from him, then he got it from B. Evans. But he did massive canvas when he left. B. Evans is um, also another paint artist. Super amazing work. Uh I'm also going to be posting all of this stuff, so I'm rattling these things off, but I'm going to be adding these to the Found in the Underground page at some point so you guys can look up everybody's art. Um, Anthony R. Brass, I think, was the last one that I, I haven't mentioned yet, and he's super awesome. He's also in the band Panda House, mm-hmm. who I did try to get, and their drummer was uh, unavailable for that particular show, so they want to be on for another one. Um, but everybody that, and in Chunky Sequence, that's the last one that I missed. Chunky Sequence had tons of stickers, um, LGBTQ, 
uh, they're going to be looking into doing an event shortly that I'm, I might be on board for as well. So that'll be cool to kind of connect with him over a bunch of stuff as well. So everybody that was involved, and if I missed anyone, I totally apologize. Um, I added a bunch. Oh, Frankie created. That is the last one. Sorry. She signed on like day or two beforehand, had a bunch of jewelry and art and rings and stuff like that. So if you saw her, she was probably in the rack room. But everybody that was involved, I was really pleased to see like all of their work. Everybody really brought their A game on their creations and stuff. And like I say, like at the end of the day, everything that I want for the show is to help them get seen, connect with other people, make sales. You know, at the end of the day, we all are starving artists. So we're trying to make sure that we can get our art out there and be seen and, and not be buried by the algorithm. So right. That that is really the goal at the end of the day with all of this, and I hope everybody felt like it was fun. And I also forgot one more person. I'm so sorry. It's a, a plant lady, which is Kim. She was set up at the bar and had tons of plants across the bar. Like she literally came and sold plants. I don't remember seeing her at all. She was so. If you would have came from the the area where the bathroom was, yeah, you would have just made a hard left. She had that bar. Right. Oh, okay. When uh, she came in, she goes, "Okay, where am I setting up?" And I said, "Dave told me we can use this bar. You want right. the bar?" And she's like, "I want the bar! I want the bar!" And then like ran out, <laughs> laughing so hard. She was so stoked because she had way more space than she thought she was gonna have. Right. And she didn't have to set up a table or anything. She just brought everything out. And I have pictures of everybody's setups as well. Uh, so I'm going to be posting those on the Facebook page and the Instagram, which is both um, at FITU Fest. So you can check out all their art. I'm going to tag everybody that way. You know, you guys can check out these people if you didn't show up to the show. And hopefully if you see some art that you like, you can connect with them and get some stuff. And, and that's like I said, at the end of the day, I just want everybody to be able to be seen and get their art out there. And hopefully if things happen in the future I, I i say that to more so to calm you in the sense of yes this is probably going to happen again i, I can't I, stop I, you can't stop me uh but it, i'm not even gonna try it, it, you know when i when i said i was going i was thinking about doing it he he looked at me and just went why yeah again right it's so much and i go but but it's important <laughs> so it's I get that it's kind of one of those things where it's a lot of work and it's a lot of stress. On it's a me. it's a little bit like I'm sure uh, Renee Renee Paquette looks at John Moxley when he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna take a bunch of skewers and put them right in my face," mm-hmm. and she's like, "Okay, <laughs> okay, sure." I can't, I can't stop you, so I'm not going to try. I don't understand, but you seem to enjoy it. So as as long as you come back alive. Then, yeah. All right, cool. And it's the same thing with this, and and you got dragged into it this time because I needed a poor person. Yep. But I, I really appreciate you doing it. I, I have little people I trust to the fullest extent, and that is why you were at the door. If um 
and, and not to say this of like, well, if you, you know, she was available, you wouldn't have to. But like Tate usually does the door. She wasn't able to do right time. Yeah, I remember Sorry. one of the one of the originals <laughs> that uh, one of the original for like a first or second one that I was playing on a stage that yes. she was at the door. Yeah, at, she has done the door at every single one except this one. And I did. Alexa. I did appreciate that I didn't have to perform and then like run your table or do. Something, oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I also would have preferred to have been performing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, make make some solo music then. Yeah. Come up with some solo music for the next one. All right. I and I I have put out at least the the tentative statement that if this does happen again, which it's like an 80% it might happen again because I'm an idiot. Um it'll be probably either a May or June situation where it'll be warmer outside so then there'll be more people it'll be on a weekend i was thinking about that and i don't know if i prefer a a warmer found in the underground to a cold like i was right by the door so i was a little cold every time they would hold the door open but the tangent is neat because it's got like a fire pit out there mm-hmm. and they always run the fire pit and they, like this time at least when the weather is colder mm-hmm. like if you get too warm inside, you can go outside. Right. Like if you did it in the middle of like July or August. Yeah, like no, it's just that's hot okay. inside and hot outside. Yeah, no, if it happens, I feel like the the first one we did was like May 18th or something like that. Right. And that one worked out really well. And I feel like I can't remember if the third one was around the same time. My my thought process between like if it's going to be like a May or a June is just trying to make sure that I don't overload. If I do the DJs, that I don't overload them during movement season. Yes. So that's kind of where my determining factor is on that. But I I will more than likely do another one and try to have more artists involved. Try to have the gallery be our thing. That way we have our art up. Not everybody's art that was in there was great. I just it wasn't ours, so I want to make right. sure that this time around, if I do it again, then we're gonna have our art in there. But for all of that, I think um, it, it works better in the summer, and we get more people on a weekend versus a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So those are definitely the factors I want to do. But for a first return show back on a colder night on a Sunday night. We got a good amount of people there, and everybody seemed very pleased. Everybody seemed like they had a good time. Yeah. Especially that drunk lady. Especially that drunk lady. She seemed to have a good And I, I think I told you, but I, I don't think he was drunk, but I I was I was dressed as like Peter B. Parker from Into the Spider-Verse, and I had a guy come over, and he put his arm on my shoulder. He's like, so was Miles Wright trying to save his dad? <laughs> and without even blinking, I answered him in character. <laughs> like I started to give him my personal opinion, and then I like no. I was looking him in the face, and I was like, "You know what? I'm just gonna be Peter Parker, and and in and this moment, try and try and be inspirational in this moment." And it, it worked out. He, yeah. he we, we bumped fists, and he walked away, and he felt good, and I felt good, and everything was good. I had to tell everybody who I was because they kind of just thought I just had really messy hair and was just me. And I was like, yeah, because your hair wasn't long like Garth's. Yeah. I'm like, but if I do this, right. you know, I'm foxy. <laughs> so it's a good time, though. And I'm, I'm once again to everybody that was in it, involved in it. 
worked it, whatever it may be. Thank you for being there. Thank you for supporting people. And I hope to see you on the next one. Dr. GTC says Doc Brown next time, maybe? I mean, I could. I have the outfit already. Right. I have to make my hair very white yeah. again, but that that's coming, so. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're going to be back in just a minute with the rest of the Really Big Fan Podcast. We're going to wrap things up with our serotonin boost next. Welcome back. It's the uh, third and final segment of the Really Big Fan Podcast for this week. Thank you, as always, to Acronym for not only co-hosting, but being basically our interview segment this week. Talking about Fight U5, or Found in the Underground 5, as she likes to put it. F-U-5. Right. You were were getting mad at me about calling it Fight U. It wasn't just you, because when you start doing it, then Faceless Tony starts doing it. That's right. It just turns into a thing, and I'm like, I don't want people to call it Fight U and think it's like... Like there's going to be MMA fights... I mean, maybe that... An octagon with a cage around it. Maybe that's the next installment as I get a wrestling ring outside. Hell yeah. And we have people fight. Hell yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But as always, we like to end our our show with our serotonin boost. Do I even need to ask yours? I think you just told us all about yours for this week. I actually had a funny one. Okay. Um, But I got to turn up the volume first. All right. Click on it. And then I got to play it. Do you want to explain to people what they're seeing? It's Blink-182. Blink-182. At uh, the When We Were Young Fest. Didn't they, didn't they play that when we saw them? Yes, they did. I, I think they always play that. But it's just funnier to, it's funnier to watch them do it and have it on video like that because Mark comes up super serious and goes this is important yeah and then does and then does it and and honestly I watched it like six times as soon as I saw it and I was eating popcorn as I often do in the middle of the night put a popcorn in your face yes scooping large amounts of skinny pop into my mouth ungracefully just going shit piss cocksucker with popcorn in her mouth. And uh, it made Have we talked about how you eat popcorn in the middle of the night? You don't just like take it out of the bag. You just put the bag in your fr- in your face. I haven't done that in a while. I'm literally just grabbing handfuls. Because that's what initially why I said. I hold the bag like this and eat the popcorn. She is style. She is grace. She put a popcorn into her face because yep. I, I walked into the kitchen. I rounded the corner into the kitchen and she's just got the bag <laughs> at her face. She's looking at me like a raccoon that just got caught. You're like, what are you doing? Because I get feral when I'm stoned. What do you want? <laughs> I'm just like, I just want to eat the things. Um, sometimes it's night soup. Sometimes it's night soup. Which is what we're going to have. And Dr. GCC is really upset because I won't tell him what the soup is. It is, uh, it is like beef chunks. Like, I forget what they call this stuff. It's like meat and it's potatoes and there's some carrots. Yes. There's some or or beef stew. Yeah, it's like beef stew. Pack, but like Um, there's celery in there. You put a little onion. Yep, I make it from scratch, so that that's the fun part of it. Um, yeah, there's baby carrots in there, and they're kind of like sweet baby carrots because you like the sweet ones. Um, red skin potatoes, celery, usually pearl onions, but I forgot to get more pearl onions, so they just used a regular white onion in there this time. 
and celery. Um, there's a couple different uh, better than bouillon spoonfuls of stuff in here and container of beef broth and water. They just throw it together. And it's it's the right amount of salty. It's still got some healthy stuff. But for some reason at night, I really get a craving for it when I make it. Yep. So then I just start singing uh, Night Moves, but say Night Soup instead for, by Bob Seger. She's working on that night soup. Working on and trying to make that tasty vegetable goop. Working on a night soup. Night soup. Which then um, you guys turned into calling your game night soup. Yeah, there was a game that we would play where we could, you know, you could you could farm. It was kind of like um, Stardew Valley. I can't remember what it's called, though. Damn it. Um, but yeah, you had a farm and then you could make different stuff with the stuff you were growing. And some of it was soup. So we just called the game night soup. Are we playing night soup tonight? Yeah, we're playing night soup tonight. Yep. That so, was the thing. So it lives on. Yep. That's the night soup. Uh, for this week, my serotonin boost is a band from the 90s called The Refreshments. Uh, they have been uh, my happy place for the last week or two uh, when I get a little stressed out about my money situation or, uh, or you know, I'm, I'm someplace and I just need to, like, close myself off if I'm, if I'm at my new job and I just need to kind of, like, just focus and be like, this is it, everything will be fine. Uh, I just I'll just pop on the one of their two albums that they came out with uh, the refreshments. They were most famous for doing the King of the Hill uh, theme song uh, at the end of their career, and for having the song Banditos, which was the uh, Have Your Alias Said Is Captain Jean Luc Picard song. I, I don't if if you've heard it, you'd know it. You'd be like, oh, it's that song. But yeah, I really uh, I really enjoyed them. When they came out, they were a little country, but they were also very alternative. Like their songs were very, uh, they all sounded like, you know, like Quentin Tarantino crime uh, (laughs) stories. Uh, But they had this like cool country flair to them. They were from Arizona. Uh, The lead singer, Roger Klein, went on once the band was done to form Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and continue to make very similar music. And I've seen them a couple of times when they were at like the Magic Bag and and they, they were always uh, very entertaining. And they do a lot of uh, covers of Refreshments songs. In fact, I think the last time I saw them, the bass player from the Refreshments was in the band. And I think the drummer had just joined. Oh. And I just... Just forming it's the Refreshments. Everybody except the lead guitarist, who I just found out, looking stuff up while I was listening to them again, um, is from here. Is from Michigan. Okay. And then moved to Arizona uh, for college and joined up with those guys and, and did some stuff. His story is it gets a little dark in the middle, but thankfully he's I think he's still alive and he's doing all right. And he's actually making music again, nice. which is cool. But yeah, I, um, it's one of those things where like you listen to a band or, or an album like throughout a period of your life. You listen to it so many times, that you know, every word and every every corner that it's going to you know turn and everything like that and I just hadn't listened to it in a while mm-hmm. but I uh, put on their second album and listened to it and I was like man I love this record this record's so good I need to get this record on vinyl someday yeah, and then funny enough that not to cut you off the um the drummer from uh Flogging Molly is also from here oh yeah yeah well, that's uh, fun I think there's one more person I can't remember. I know uh, the guitarist from Queen, Queens of the Stone Age is from here. Oh, really? He was also in Jack White's uh, Dead Weather Project. Oh, okay. I think it might have been, um, I think the drummer from Taking Back Sunday is either from here or Chicago. Yeah. I'm not sure which, but I feel like somebody told me that semi-recently. So there's 
<laughs> Apparently we breed drummers. I don't know. And like, uh, and just- I picked the wrong instrument. <laughs> I should have stuck with the drums. <laughs> but yeah, if you've never listened to the refreshments, pull them up on your favorite streaming service. Give them a listen. They're they're fun. They're a little like I said. They're like alternative country. Yeah, so they're a lot of fun. Rockabilly-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to do it for this week's Really Big Fan Podcast. As always, uh, please follow us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash reallybigfanpod. For five bucks a month, you get a couple episodes every month of our double feature podcast and maybe a comic book related podcast in the future. I still have to iron that out. Um, and then um, we, uh, you know, come back and do these on, on the weekly as often as we can. We're both uh, holding down jobs. You're holding down two jobs now. Mm-hmm. I'm on the verge of maybe having to hold down two jobs. Go back to three. We'll see. Uh, jump, jump on our Patreon and give us money so we don't have to work for a living. <laughs> Please. We beg of you. I know. I, I said today I, I had told Lee I was going to have to start whoring myself out on the internet again as a content creator. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it. Right. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you, uh, God willing, as long as... As long as you don't have those tingles in your hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty good now. I right, picking good. up the flat of water wonked me out earlier today. Uh, Other than that, I'm good. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll uh, talk to you guys next week for another really big fan podcast. Sorry for the two hours. We love you. Bye. touchpad so much i'm sorry so much i also do want a tony hawk dealing with courtney love reality show you don't need to click it to scroll it okay you just just touch it then why did you scroll all the way to the bottom when i was trying to scroll to the top to see what i do what you were trying catastrophe black has been here see i scroll to the top and it just goes up do you have to hold it no i move it up and it goes up you just touch it see just and then the mouse goes up and then the mouse goes down. No, you have to do it slower. Okay. <laughs> Here, give me your hand. Put one finger out. One finger. Don't press down. Then how do you scroll? <laughs> Lightly touch it. Like once it's actually that bar is there. Yes. Yes. Just touch it lightly. Hey, Apple, your products fucking suck. It's user error. Your products are fucking garbage, Apple.